I want you to go in your Bible real quickly with me to the book of Genesis chapter 1. Back to creation again. God just keeps unfolding things out of this. I don't intend to keep going there, but it's just where it is. A few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, we started declaring a message in this house. I spoke it, I think it was two, maybe three weeks ago now, uh, about the blessing of the Lord. And I believe that's becoming a word in me that every time I read the word, I'm seeing it like I do covenant because I know that God has blessed us. And if you'll remember after that message that morning, Pastor Val spoke a word over this house. And I want to read that to you again because I can't shake off of that word. And I'm going to build on to it for what God is saying and what God is doing. Now I know what some of you might think. Say, Pastor, you put too much into the prophets. Well, uh, I believe like this. He gave them for the benefit of the church. He gave those they are active and working to direct the church so that the church would know what we ought to do and what we ought to expect. I, I believe in them. Matter of fact, he said, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that is proceeding or forthcoming from the mouth of God. I believe that with all of my heart. So that's why I write these things down. Yesterday, where's Miss June at? Is she in the house? Miss June, I, you, you gave a word yesterday morning. I've been trying to rehearse it, and I should have wrote it down. But God said, watch and see. What did he say? Can you remember what you said? That's it. It's now. Yeah, watch and see. He's here. So the word of the Lord on that Sunday of, of May 15th, actually, it says, today you have completed the journey of a thousand steps. You've completed it in kindness. You've completed it in faithfulness. You've completed it in obedience. And you've completed it in strength. And you've completed it in humility. And you have completed it today. Therefore, today is the day of the newness and the next step. And from this day forward, every day, I'm making the day of the next step. I'm exponentially pouring out everything I've said. Because of the completion of this journey, I am opening wide the gates of heaven. I'm flinging wide the doors of opportunity. And today you are walking in the day of the next step. And this day will never end until I pull, pull you up to me. This day for Christ Church and for you is the day of the next step. Take it with boldness. Take it with, with joy. Take it with fervency. Take it wholly, but take it and watch again. There's that word. What I will do as I move you into this next step. Now, I want to speak to you this morning about the people of the next step. And that's all of us in this room. I begin, I, I take words like this. I rehearse them. I go over them and over them. Okay, God, what are you talking about? A steps, a, a thousand steps and a new day and all this stuff going on. And, and it's taken some time, but I believe the Lord has unfolded a few things for me to give to you. First of all, when he talked about the, the, the how, how did it say it? Let me just look at it again. He said, the journey of a thousand steps. First of all, the thousand steps really is a period of time. 
It doesn't mean we've just taken a thousand steps, but this thousand, this thousand number is just a period of time. All through the scripture, you'll see things where a thousand is used. And most of the time, not every time, but a lot of times it's dealing with a specific amount of time. We could say in the book of Revelation, in the millennium will be for a thousand years. It's a period of time. When he's talking about the steps, he's talking about the journey that we've had to walk through in this period of time. Now, for some, it's been okay. For others, it could have been frustrating. It could have been a difficulty. It could have been a, a number of things. But whatever it was, it has been ordered of the Lord for us to walk through it, where, at what, even though we may not have understood it. My little message I sent out this morning was from the book of Exodus chapter 13 when God was bringing the children of Israel up out of Egypt. He brought them by the way of the Red Sea and not by the way of the Philistines. Now I want you to pay attention to something. He said, I didn't take you that way because it was closer. I took you that way because if I took you through the way of the Philistines, because it is a place of war, you will turn around and you'll go back to bondage. So sometimes the journey you're on may not feel like it's all that in a bag of chips and it may not be the place that you want it to be, but always keep in mind this, that God has got your welfare and he's got your future in sight and he is not trying to punish you by walking you through that place. He's trying to protect you, and even in the time of protection, he is building us. Remember, he said, we've done this with kindness. We've done this with faithfulness. We've done this with obedience. Another place, I believe it says something like this to the children of Israel. He said, I allowed you to suffer hunger. I allowed you to get just a little hungry. He didn't say starve you to death. They thought they were starving to death because they missed the meal. That's the way most of us feel. He said, I allowed you to suffer hunger, and I allowed you to be in want for this purpose, to see if you will truly obey me, if you will trust me. That's in the book of Deuteronomy. Go back there and read it. He said, I allowed that. I wanted to see in that moment of time, will you stay faithful to me? Will you trust me? Will you allow me to lead? Will you allow me to lead and guide you? So now if he says that we are in a new day, we are in the place of the next step, a new day. In other words, how I lived in the past journey is not going to be in this journey going forward. It's going to be totally different. Look at your neighbor and say, we got to expect different. Now let me go back to the first of the year for just a moment. Because again, this is how it all works. It's not just, not just something that happens. We started off the beginning of this year with our apostolic overseers, with Steve Sampson, Pastor Val Trees, and, and, and Prophet Mitch Clay. Here's some of the words that came out of all the ministry that was given at the first of the year. It's going to be a monumental year. It's going to be a monumental year. Now, you may not feel like it yet, but it ain't over yet. Look at your neighbor and say, it ain't over yet. If it's going to be a monumental year, then it's going to be marked by something that you are not going to forget. 
Also, if you'll remember in that, uh, Miss Sherry had a word, and that word was invincible. She just felt like she needed to share that word. That word means incapable of being overcome. It means incapable of being overcome. It means unstoppable. Look at your neighbor and say, listen, I'm unstoppable. Hello, these are the words of God being spoke over this house. There was another word that God said. His glory was going to rest on this house. And I don't know what you're looking for. I'm not necessarily looking at a cloud. But the more that I look into the scripture and find glory, glory isn't always marked by what we think. I'm looking at the glory resting upon you. You're the glory of God that wants to be revealed in this moment of time. I heard three other words. I heard it was going to be a time of peace. There was going to be great rest. And there was going to be contentment released over this house. And great blessing. I don't know what you've been listening to in the last few weeks, even month of this house. All of those words have been declared over and over and over in this house. The word that Prophet Steve released to us last week was receive. And it simply means, I have wrote it down. Let me find it here just a moment. I had to write these things down. It means to be given or present it with. So if God is saying, receive what you have need of has already been deposited into the spirit realm, into, the, into our realm, and God is waiting for us to take hold of it. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time for us to receive. So if we're going to walk this thing out, and I believe we are, you and I are going to have to pay attention to what God said. Oh, by the way, Prophet Aguilar called me up on uh, Thursday. He said, first thing out of his mouth, why has God got me praying for you guys? Why has God got me praying for you guys? I can't get you off my heart. He wasn't looking for a meeting. He just called me and said, God's got you on my heart. I began to tell him what I felt like God was doing and what the Lord was saying. I said, well, I really, my first response to him, well, what's he speaking to you to speak to me? And then I told him what God, I felt like God was doing. He said this to me. He said, Pastor, I believe there's an open heaven over your church that's impacting this region. Well, I can tell you guys aren't near ready to grab what God has for us. He said, the heavens is open. It's opened over it. He said, you remember, he said, I read something the other day about Joel. When, Joel on, or when Peter on the day of Pentecost said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He said, you know, I just kind of got this feeling that this is a this is that moment of time for the body of Christ, for the church of the heartland. He said, I believe it's that kind of time. I don't know about you. He spoke to me and he said, don't get caught up. He said, you need to be able to discern the wind. 
Don't get caught up looking for hurricane winds when God is shifting a gentle breeze. And then don't just get hung up in the gentle breeze when God wants to send a hurricane wind through. As we've seen over and over and over, no matter what it feels like, no matter what it looks like, no matter what I'm seeing at the moment, he still is the miracle worker. He still is the promise keeper. He still is everything we need him to be. You know, changing times are difficult. I told the prayer team yesterday, if you don't know, we have prayer every Saturday morning at 9 o'clock for you. That's not a great group, big group, but for you that want to come in, I'm not always here, but if you want to come in for five minutes and pray and leave, that's great. But I told them there's two most dangerous times of every day. It's the time when we're going from light to dark and we're going from dark to light. We're transitioning the moment from the day to the evening and the evening to the day because our eyes are adjusting and many things are adjusting at that moment of time. And when God is up to something fresh and God is moving, sometimes if we're not careful, we don't see everything clearly. But you have to realize we're still in a moment where God is moving and doing radical things. Let me talk to you about the people of the next day real quickly. I just want to read this verse. Genesis chapter 1 verse 31. Then God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Chapter 2 verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had done. Then he blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all the work which God had created and made. We know the story of history, how that everything was put in its order and put in its place. Notice the last thing that God said about the sixth day after man and all of creation were made. Everything is in its place. God says this. He said, it's indeed, it is very good. He didn't just say it was good. He said, indeed, it is very good. Of all the other parts of creation that he made, he said, it's good. What was God saying when God said it was good? He wasn't comparing it to, to my, my wife made me some strawberries, uh, jelly or some jam here the other day. I got news for you. It's good. I don't have to compare it to nobody. It's just good. And I can set and eat a whole jar of it if I'm not careful in a moment. But God wasn't comparing it to Diane's jam or to what you do. God was comparing it first to himself. And when he was saying it's good, everything is functioning and moving and working in the dynamic of which I intended for it to work. In other words, the sun is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. In other words, the ocean is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. The cow giving milk, the trees bearing fruit, everything. 
thing, the grass growing, seed coming forth, everything is functioning the way God intended for it to work. So that's the end of the sixth day. Six is the number of man. But I find it quite strange that God would put seven days in creation and do nothing. But other than, he said, I'm done. And he ceased from his labor and noticed what he did to it. He blessed it. He blessed everything from that moment on. So I got to think, Tim Nielsen, when did man really start living? Did he start at the end of the sixth day? Was it in the seventh day? Or did he begin something new on the eighth day? My just Zach, don't anybody take me to the cleaners and rip me apart over my thoughts, okay? I, I just believe this. Everything started at that moment because now, listen to what happens. The seventh day was all about God. The seventh day wasn't about man. It wasn't about earth. He turned back all the attention to himself and he said, now it's all complete. I've done a good job. And he rested from his labor because there was nothing else to do. But now man has to get to the eighth day. And the only way he can get to the eighth day, which is new beginning, he's got to come through. He's got to come through his creator. He's got to come through the one that made him, the one that designed him. That's why the word tells us that we are in Christ and Christ in us, that he brought us through the one that created us so that we would know how to live on the eighth day. Are y'all here? Hear what I'm, I'm telling you? Because now... Three things, or maybe four, was the steps of man, the activity of man from that day. Because we don't know how many days it was from creation to when Adam sinned. We don't know. It could have been a hundred years. It could have been, I mean, at least I don't. Maybe some of my scholars here know. We don't know how it was. But I do believe there's some things required. First of all, it's going to require for this moment our total faith in God. Total faith in God. That's how we're intended to live. That's why Paul said in Hebrews eleven six, 6, without faith it's impossible to please him. Now the word says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is. Actually, faith is this. Remember, the seventh day was about a rest. That's why he said, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy in the Ten Commandments. It's the fourth commandment. Remember it, God required Israel that no labor would take place on that day. That they were to take a moment to honor him. Because if we're not careful, we'll get into our labor and look and say, look what I've done. Instead of staying in that place and resting in God. Saying no matter what comes, whether I get a boatload of cars. Or whether I get a house to sell. Or whether gas goes to $10 a, a gallon. I know that God is going to take care of me. See, faith is actually a place of rest. Faith is actually a place of rest. I'm resting. I'm trusting God. He's just going to do it. There's just no other option. 
He's just going to do it. I believe that's why the word at the beginning of the year, one of them was, was the word rest. God says, I believe he's saying to us, I want you to quit striving to get what I've already given. I want you to quit struggling and just receive what I've said you could have. I want you to quit all of this nonsense that you're pushing and you're striving and you're working. We're trying to work for this moment for God to appear in this place. And church, I'm here to tell you, God said, I've showed up. See, I've lived, we've lived all of our life working for a moment. Instead of coming, I wonder what would happen if you and I really believed what God said and we would just come in and enjoy ourselves in the presence of God like children and just lift up. Maverick was in my arms this morning. Kind of reminded me the days when, what's his name? Samuel was in my arms when he was small. And he was clapping his hands. I know you couldn't see him. He was clapping his hands. Maybe it was because he saw his mom and daddy on the platform. It could be that he just enjoys music. But the reality is I believe God is saying, I want you to become like a little child again. I want you just to enjoy the moment. Hello. Enjoy it. Worship people. Every one of us, enjoy it. But be passionate about what you're doing because that's what faith is. Now, faith is. It's not struggling. It's not striving. But it's putting my confidence that God is going to do what he said he would do. Here's the second thing I believe people of the next step, some of the activity is it's going to require a deep intimacy with God and with man. Not religion. Not religion. But intimacy, a relationship. You know, a lot of us in this room have religion. But no intimacy. No relationship. I'm not judging you, but there is a world of difference. Religion can tell you all about God, but intimacy knows God. Hello. Religion will have you do this and have you do that. And it will even keep you from the presence of God. But intimacy wants to draw you to Him. Matter of fact, intimacy will cause you to do things to get next to the one that you want to be intimate with that you wouldn't do any other time. Hello. We, know, we all know it's that way. You remember back in our dating years? Are we gotten too old that we can't remember? You remember back in then, you never wanted to put your best foot forward. You never showed up all smelly and stinky. If you knew you were going to go out on a Friday night, and men, you knew you were going to pick that lady up. And you remember back then, we had cars that didn't have all these consoles and stuff, and you wanted them to sit real close to you. Oh, come on, somebody. I did. I ain't kidding. Ben, I'm glad you're honest. The rest of them are a bunch of liars. And if you didn't have a console or if you had that thing in the middle, I remember we put pillows in there just so that she could sit there. Come on, y'all know it's true. Even in a straight shift car in the middle there. See, these young guys don't know anything about that. Oh, my, 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 Michael. Where you been, Michael? My goodness. You know what? You got ready. 
you took a shower, bathed, whatever you did. You put on some nice cologne. You put your best. Why? Because you just weren't thinking about taking a ride. Come on. You had other things on your mind. You had a deeper moment. You had intimacy on your mind that you were getting with that individual. And I know intimacy goes far beyond that. I'm just making a point of our aggression when we're intimate with the Lord, when we have a desire and a passion. Listen, I'm not worried about you. I'm just trying to get to Him. And that's the whole part of us coming in here is I'm coming to get to him, not to be seen by you or you or you. I'm coming to get close to Jesus. Now, I know you don't have to have this place to do it, but it's a great place to start. But intimacy is not only with God, but we got to have intimacy with one another. Now, think about this. Everything that God designed to do, he says to Adam and Eve, he said, be fruitful, multiply, He blessed them, and in that blessing was fruitfulness, was increase, and the ability to subdue and have dominion. Now, wait a minute. He said, I'm giving you the world, puts them in a garden. And the only way they were going to fulfill the will of God is Adam as a man could not do it by himself without a woman next to him. God never intended us to do this life by ourselves. And the more we come together, the more that intimacy becomes, the more of the glory, the more of the presence, the more of the goodness of God that we began to see unfold. We got to have each other. We got to have each other. Because I got to thinking, okay, what did... You remember when when the serpent came along? He spoke to Eve and said, have you considered? And she said, real quickly, but God has said. Now, I'm not going to touch that anymore, go into deeper with that. But to say this, where did she learn that? And when did she get it? Was it downloaded the moment that God took the rib and formed her from the dust and brought her to Adam and she automatically knew? Or was that from the relationship of intimacy of the two of them walking in intimacy with the Father that as he walked with them in the cool of the day, he was showing them everything in the garden. He said, guys, leave that tree alone. Or maybe it was when Adam got left alone. It was just him and her. And he's looking over this beautiful creation. And he's saying, God has put this in my heart. I want you to look out over this big expanse. I want you, God has said we can have all of that. And you and I are going to feel that with ourselves. Did that come with an intimacy with one another? Don't touch that. Because you'll die if you do. Now see, we'll all read that as a negative if he said that. But what he was really saying to her, I want you to live with me. And I want us to have everything that God said we could have. And I want us to fulfill all righteousness. And I want us to do because all of this is ours. 
And that's why we need one another. Sometimes if somebody says, hey, brother, you're not doing it exactly right or you're not doing things right, we get all bent up out of shape and maybe we're taking it the wrong way because we're already messed up and they're not trying to, to be mean to us. They're trying to get us to walk in the way of God so that we together can have all that God promised us. There has to be intimacy. There has to be intimacy with God and intimacy one with another. We've got to get to know each other. We've got to build into one another and build because there's a supply that everyone in this room has. There's a supply. Tim brought a supply with him all the way from Columbus, Ohio. Not just his family. He brought a supply. What did he bring to us? He brought an encouragement. He brought the supply in him to add to what was here to encourage us even more to expect what God is doing. Let me give you a third thing. i got to land this jet quickly. Let me give you the third thing that I believe was worth. What did they work with? All they had was words. They spoke with words. They were speaking the things of the Lord. I believe what we're speaking and declaring in this moment of time is is so greatly valuable and so greatly important. And mom and dad, I shared with you, brothers and sisters, I shared with you a month ago about the blessing of the Lord that out of our mouth can come blessing and cursing. You don't realize how powerful your words are. Remember what God said to Adam. He said, Adam, I blessed you and I want you to go subdue. Part of the definition of the word subdue is I want you to order it or put it back in order the way it ought to be. You order what needs to be done. How is he going to do that? I don't think he had a bulldozer. I don't think he had a tractor. I don't even know that he had a chainsaw. I believe he had one great thing that they were using. He was using the words of his mouth to declare what God said. He would call something and it would come to place. He would call it and it would come to place. James said it like this in James chapter 3. He talked about the, uh, the tongue being an unruly member. I didn't give you this note, Mindy, but it's in James chapter 3. Let me read it real quickly. Are you okay? James chapter 3. He said, indeed, we put horses, we put bits in horses' mouth that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. When I think about that picture, I don't think he's really reflecting to us about a horse, although he is, because in that day, horses were a symbol of power. He said, you want to control the power? You got to get control of your tongue. David said it like this, some men trust in chariots and some in horses, but I'm going to put my trust in, in, the, in, the, in the name of the Lord my God. I believe he was saying when we get our mouth right, if our mouth is either right or it's wrong, it is controlling the power that God has put in us. And believe me, you've got a power. You walk in power. You are a force one way or the other that can be devastating or you are a force that can be great blessing. How many's heard that old saying, sticks and stones can't break my bone, can break my bones, but words will never hurt me? That's a lie. That's a real lie. 
Because it will do far greater damage than any stick or stone. And it will keep you your entire life in one place. Like the young man that Brother Kilpatrick talked about that his daddy said to him, you will never amount to anything. You will never have anything. You are useless. You are nothing to me. And that young man lived his whole life until he heard what God had said about him and that he could be blessed And the moment dad spoke something to him positive, it turned everything about his life. Some of you have lived that way. Somebody made fun of you at school, told you you were fat, told you you were... See, these are little childhood things. But I'm going to tell you, childhood things even, even can wreck your world and lock you up. Reminds me of a guy we had in our church in Paducah. He was just kind of a short guy. Kind of had dwarf mannerisms. His whole family, but real sweet family. He was, a, he was a taxidermist, but he had served in the war in Vietnam. They used him as a tunnel rat. And he was one of these guys that he was so small, they'd put him in the tunnels. I guess that's what he told me, to go in and check and see what was in there, run out the enemy, whatever would happen. But the guy had very little emotion, if any. None. I mean, he was good guy, but no emotion, nothing. And, and one day there was an issue that came up, and he just felt like he was locked up. He couldn't get to the place in God he really wanted to get. And through a course of ministry and some revelation of the Holy Spirit, it wasn't the problem. It wasn't the problem of Vietnam that created his world so bad. But it went all the way back to the second grade. When he said it in the second grade of his class and a teacher says something to him that wounded his spirit. And from that time until that day, till that day that he got free, he lived and he carried that within his spirit all over the words that were in his, somebody else's mouth. That's why he said, he said, you can put a bit because they're words of power. And then James goes on to say, listen to what he says. Look also at ships, even though they are large and driven by fierce winds. They are tur- You better pay attention to this one. Even though they are large and they are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. So when you're in the midst of the storm, what are you declaring? When you're in the midst of the trouble, you can shipwreck it or you can, according to that passage right there, you have the ability with your mouth to steer yourself right out of the storm if you will pay attention to what God is saying to you. Well, this always happens. Nothing ever good comes my way. I knew it was going to happen. I knew I bought it. I knew it was a failure before I ever got it. You'd be surprised what comes out of our mouths. But he said, we're steering. Notice what he's saying. You're steering your life, but you're not only steering your life. Mom and daddies, listen to me. Dad, Father's Day is just a week away. You are steering your whole family with your words. With what you're saying, I've got to ask you and challenge you. Are you speaking the things of God? Are you just speaking what's out of your heart? What do you mean? I don't know how to speak the things of God. Declare what God says. We're blessed. My family is blessed. We're the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. That's just a little bit. But we declare, we speak forth the things of God. 
He went on to say, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. He even went on to say, he said this, even so the tongue is a little member but boasts great things. Look at what a great fire, what a great forest a little fire kindles. I was watching Barney the other day. Real religious. Andy comes to the drugstore to get something to put on a scratch on Barney's finger. Happens to be Aunt B and a couple of the city ladies there. And when Andy walks out, they look at each other. He came all the way this far to get a little thing to put on a scratch on Barney's finger. And so the story goes, you've probably all seen it. I've watched it a million times. It goes back, phone starts ringing. Did y'all hear what happened to Barney? He cut his finger off. Did y'all hear what happened to Barney? He shot himself in the chest. Did y'all hear what happens to Barney? And he happens to be Barney. And he puts, his, puts the bandage on him and he, he looks at it. Barney takes it off and he says, oh, and he says, oh, that looks so good. It's looking so much better already. And, and, and Barney says, no, you're looking the wrong place. It's right here. <laughs> and then the phone rings. And somebody says, did y'all know that Barney is dead? <laughs> it all started over a little. That's funny, isn't it? But what a wow truth is in that. When we speak and what we speak, and that's just, that's just in a funny little way. But man, what a fire we speak out of our, come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. We speak out of our frustration. We speak out of our anger. We say things. We said, but I didn't mean it, but I got news for you. It's already out. Hello? And we start talking before we know what really is going on. We don't have a clue. I'm, I'm in the wrong church for this one this morning. That's none of y'all. And we start speaking things. And before we know it, we got, a fire, we got the whole forest on fire. And he goes, but you know what he's talking about? Verse 9 says this. He said, talks about how unruly this tongue could be. But he says in verse 9, With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God, and out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, this shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. The only thing out of our mouth should be blessing to one another. So our words. Here's my last one. Miss Crystal, you can come back. Here's my last one that they had to work with. He just, I believe he looked and he said, you're blessed. Because he saw his creator. He saw his creator. He looked at an empty field and said, be fruitful. Prosper. Grow. I read a book a number of years ago about the power of a blessing. A brother from another denomination got a call from one of his family members that they were getting ready to take, the lady was going to take her sister and put her in an an insane asylum in those days. She was just totally, totally gone. Mentally gone. He said, They asked him if he would pray. He said, how am I going to pray? How am I going to pray for her? They're getting ready to take her on. They're desperate. They said, can we just come by the church and you pray? They brought her to the church. 
He took her into a room and sat down with her. This woman is totally a mental case out of there and probably needed to be where they were taking her. But he said the Lord spoke to him to do one thing. Just put your hand on her and just bless her and bless her mind. And immediately her life was transformed through the power of a blessing. That's what we carry. That's what we carry. That's why, listen, I I quit praying about asking God to do when God said, I'm here. So I'm blessing what God is doing. And I'm asking God, okay, God, it's not what what you're gonna, what do you want us to do to cooperate with you? Just a few moments. I believe miracles are gonna be released in this place. I believe people can be healed in this place. I really believe that with all my heart because God has said it. Because we're going to pray. And he said it's here. So we're going to release it on you if you will receive. But here's the third thing. What did Adam have to work with? Seeds. Seed. It's interesting. The third day of creation was about seed. Of everything made. First thing God said, let there be light. Second day, he divided the permanence from heaven from the earth in a sense. And the third day, he began to create seeds. He said seed was there because that's how you and I are supposed to live. I got to thinking about this and I said, Lord, what's up with, with all this? He said, the reason a lot of people don't have their harvest that they're looking for, you've really not placed a seed. You've not sowed anything. You're looking for a harvest without seed. Listen, church, we're going to have to learn. God intended this. He hasn't changed his mind. A new day doesn't mean that God's going to rewrite the Bible. I see the Bible more like this. God grabbing us and constantly pulling us back to the original intent of how he intended for us to live. Because everything in this world is telling me to go different. It's pulling me away. That's why Paul said this. Are you okay? Y'all look like you're... He said this, he said, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen to what he said in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Brethren, be not conformed to this world because this world is going to pull you away from the things of God. Tim was right. Celebrate the victories and the successes of others. Man, I'm doing it. When I hear of another church, I don't care if they're busting at the scenes, putting up five bills. I'm rejoicing with them. I, I believe in somebody else's blessing, I may have the same need, but I'm rejoicing with them. Because I believe if they got their blessing, the line just got shorter, and I stepped up one more notch. My blessing is here. It's just around the corner. Come on, somebody. We've got to rejoice. The Lord spoke to us a long time ago. What we make happen for others, God said, I'll make happen for you. You know how we've survived the last 12 years? For some of you, it's not a clue. But we've lived out a miracle. You're a part of a miracle ministry. What this church has done over the last 12 years, the load that we've carried. And we don't have what I'm going to call, please, I know we've got great people here. We've got people of means and stuff. But I don't have millionaire, millions and millions and millionaire kind of guys in the room. We haven't seen that. And we're not dependent on that. We're dependent on God, but God uses people. I remember one time we had an architect bill that was due. It was huge. You know, maybe 75,000 greater. 
that was due, we didn't have near it. All we could do, Miss P and Dad, was trust God. You know what God did? We had one of our people. If you would see them sometime, you'd think, oh, no way. But they had some property. They had a way. God used them. They sold the property. They gave the tithe to the church. Hallelujah. See, y'all don't get excited about that, but I know what God did. Oh, my goodness. I got to stop. You want to know why we keep putting seed out into the region? You want to know why we keep? Because it's how we got to live. I believe we not only live that way as a church, but I believe that we've got to live that way as individuals. Instead of going to the gas pump, I'm serious about this. We Listen, we need to change our rhetoric about all the stuff about how high gas price is. Just go to the tanks and say, Father, I thank you that I'm a blessed man. And I thank you that my cup runneth over. I thank you that I got more than enough. I thank you that I'm going to go further than I've ever gone. I'm not backing up. I'm not quitting because I'm in this world, but not of it. You are my source of supply. I'm a giver. And I have every right in the world to claim that. I give it. Have every right in the world. I remember one time I didn't have anything to give. I thought, God, I got nothing. So I went to the blood bank. He said, life is in the blood. So I just give him a little bit of blood. I give tithes. I, I'm serious about this. I can re, re, keep preaching about seed, but I got to stop. But that's how they live, by sowing. The Bible said we reap what we sow. You sow nothing, you reap nothing. I love what Steve says. Well, Pastor, I don't believe in all that. That's okay. You'll never have any of that. But don't stop me from having it. I got to talk to a businessman the other day. I got to tell him about the goodness of God. I said, let me tell you, when me and Diane bought our first brand new car, watch that thing come off the truck. 1983 Buick LeSabre, long four-door, white, red top, plush interior, loaded out to the max. We watched that thing come off the truck. We finally got it paid for. I think we had financed, I don't know what, four years, something like that. We were there having that thing paid for. I think we had less than maybe right around 70,000 miles, maybe less. I didn't drive near as much then as I do now. And I'm out mowing my grass, and the Lord speaks to me, said, give it away. Told me who to give it to, Tim. Said, give it away. I thought, Lord, you're going to have to talk to Diane about this. I go in the house. I said, I think God's been speaking. She said, yeah, I know. We got to give the car away. He even told me who to give it to. They had a ratty old, they had a ratty old station wagon, didn't even have air conditioning. I said, I'm giving you my car and I'm taking yours. And we drove that car for a few months until we could find us something else. And it wasn't long after, it was several years later. But then God began to provide us with automobiles. I don't know how many cars have been given to me over the years. You say, Pastor, you you know, I just called you a pastor. No, I, I sold a seed back there. I didn't even know the effect and the result. I just didn't get car. I got the cars I dreamed about. It's all right. That's all right. It's all right. Y'all just hang right where you are. I, I just know what God has, has done. 
you, you know how I am with shoes because I, I sow seed to help other people. I, I've had people walk up, wasn't even looking for shoes. Hey, here, I, I want to give you some money. Go buy you a new pair of shoes. And I don't go to Walmart and get mine. Nothing wrong with Walmart shoes. I wish I could. I just can't get them there. Every time I go now, they're 400 bucks a pop when, when I go find them. And boy, you talk, I'm not saying that to boast about Zach. I'm just telling you what God will do when you sow and you do what God says. All right, I got to quit. You all look like you want to hurt me now. Stand up, would you? Stand up with me. He's in the room. He's in the room. I know some of you have got big needs. But he's a big God. He's a big God. One thing, let me, I want to make something clear. And I hope you hear my heart. When I say stuff like that, I'm just telling you about the goodness of God for me and my family. And I'm not trying to boast about anything, but just tell you. But I've also told people this. You're not my source. God is. I take it to the Lord. But God uses people. He always will. He uses people. And I want to encourage you when it comes to seeds. I see all this stuff that hits these major ministries. Don't get caught up in that nonsense. You know why they've gotten where they've gotten? They've operated the principles of the word. Yes, there's a few out there that are nuts. And they're charlatans. But I'm telling you, for everyone that's a bad, rotten egg, there are hundreds that are staying faithful to God. I heard a, I heard a, I heard a testimony the other day of a friend of mine in a big church up north. He was testifying on Christian TV. He said, I learned a principle. He said, my church was in debt over its heels. But he said, when I started sowing in to ministries that were debt-free, mine come out of debt. And some of you think like this with my seed. I'm just going to cast it to where the poor is. There's always going to be poor. And we're just supposed to take care of them. But don't let the Judas spirit get on you. Because the Judas spirit will rob your blessing. Remember, Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, pouring that costly oil upon the feet of Jesus, Jesus, and Judas is watching him. And he says, hey, you need to tell her to quit. We got too many people in need to pour that oil there. Jesus looked at him. He said, the poor you're always going to have with me, have with you, but you don't always have me. But the scripture also went on to say, Judas wasn't concerned about the poor at all. Because he was stealing from the bag. And a lot of times, even the things that we think they ought to do, if you're that concerned, then start helping them yourself. But there comes a time you need to sow into things that are prospering. Find the greatest ground that you can put it in and put it in it and watch God. Mr. Jerry back there is a big farmer. This family, I guarantee you, they don't go get old Rocky stony, stumpy ground to put their seeds in. They're getting the best ground they can to put it in. They've got to live by seed. That's how we're intended to live. Father, 
I know today there's miracles in this house. And I know people have need of miracles. You said you were here. And that's all I know. I'm going to rest in that.